Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't joined our wonderful marketing transformation community yet, go to innovabiz.co and collect your free gift as well. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. Business isn't just about making money. In fact, I never get into a business with the intention of making money, though that's super awesome when you make money. Obviously, I don't want to not make money. That's illogical. But I get into a business because I want to see how that will change the world, basically. And it doesn't have to be this life-altering NASA technology genome work because changing someone's life can be simple and small. It doesn't have to be a multi-million dollar industry. Welcome back. I hope your week's been spectacularly awesome so far. If you haven't listened yet to my recent conversations with perfectionism coach Audrey Holst of Fortitude and Flow, and with multiple business owner and investment advisor Lane Kawoka, then do check them out. But stay here and listen to today's conversation first. Because I'm really excited today to welcome to the Innova Buzz podcast as my guest, Amanda Fergil. Amanda is a sole parent, a multipreneur, an international performer, an elite athlete, and an expert in creative problem solving as well as time management. No surprises there in that latter one. She challenges her clients to stop making excuses and start making progress through innovative solutions to even the most mundane problems. A lifetime learner, Amanda has worked in and owned multiple business ventures, including television production, marketing, and social media consultation, health and wellness, retail, education, and more. In our discussion today, Amanda talked to me about her tips for productivity and focus. We talked about dealing with businesses across different locations and time zones, and we talked about hiring the right team, culture and values fit, and also for service providers. Without further ado, then, let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Amanda Fergil. Hi, I'm your host, Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm really excited today to welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast from Houston, Texas, in the USA, of course, Amanda Fergil, who's the founder of AF Consulting Team. She's a multiple business owner, an entrepreneur, and an expert in creative problem solving as well as time management. And we'll touch on that in a moment. So welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, Amanda. It's a great privilege to have you as my guest. Thank you so much. I'm very happy to be here. 
Lynn Howard, who was our guest on episode 457 of the Innova Buzz podcast, suggested that we have a conversation with you and introduced us, Amanda. So big hello to Lynn. Yes, she is fantastic. And if you have not heard that podcast, I recommend you circle back to it because Lynn is incredible. Yeah, I think as we speak right now, it hasn't been published, but when you listen to this, it will have been, obviously. So listen back to episode 457. You also host the Burlesque burlesque mums podcast which is an interesting segue but uh, yeah and um and i know you've got multiple businesses you're a mum you um you're a fitness expert you're uh, an elite sports person what else is there there's uh, uh, i remember asking you when we first met what do you do in your spare time it was a little bit tongue-in-cheek <laughs> so you must be a real expert at time management um, so I'm certainly looking forward to learning a lot more from you about all the things that you're involved in, particularly through your consulting business. So before we do that, though, what, what's the impact you're making in the world, Amanda? You know, I'm, I, it might sound strange to say, but I'm just taking over the world one person at a time. <laughs> I, I have always believed that, for myself anyway, I can't pigeonhole myself into one thing. I, I, my father is a physician and he's from a very young age, knew he wanted to be a physician. And I always envied that about him knowing what you want to do with your life and how you're going to impact the world from a start. And so for a long time, it was really hard for me to decide what I was going to do because I love to do so many things. And luckily in business, you can do so many things. So I, don't subscribe to one business philosophy or one business genre. I love to do everything. And I think that it has really brought me such a rich and full life because I do a little burlesque moms and I do fitness and I've owned a fishing business and I am a consultant and I do, I have a, a lifestyle brand. I do a lot of random things uh, that have really allowed me to experience a whole different side of myself and a different side of my clients. And I, I love that about business and the business world is that you are completely, it's a completely limitless sphere for you to experience anything. So I'm very lucky in that way that even though I started out not having an idea of what I specifically I wanted, I've always been really driven to do whatever I wanted to do, I was going to do it fully. And so I've decided just to do everything fully. <laughs> so. Great. Um, I, I was listening to a, a podcast you were on and you were talking about how you got into burlesque and that it was ah. kind of a, a um, almost. I was tricked. A, yeah, <laughs> I was tricked well, into tricked, it. Yeah, yeah. So, but the story basically, we won't rehash it because we can refer back to that podcast. The story basically is when you start something uh if you get an idea or somebody suggests something to you, you think oh that'd be cool to try so i'll try it out and then next thing you know you're turning it into a business so yes what what is it that drives you to kind of you know jump on so or jump into that depth straight away i can't i don't know what it is about me but i can't have a hobby without making it a business i i honestly it's like when i was a little kid i i had a lemonade stand and then I wanted to turn that lemonade stand into a candy lemonade stand and then it was a candy lemonade stand car wash like I can't just do one thing and with burlesque for example 
I definitely stumbled into that accidentally. And within a few weeks slash maybe a month of doing it, it, it became a business stream. And I, I steered my whole group to officially licensing the group and getting contracts and, you know, assigning a structure to the company. And it's gone off like gangbusters because I believe that business helps create innovation. I believe that when you really take something seriously, not just as a hobby, and there's nothing wrong with having a hobby. Obviously, people have hobbies. I technically have hobbies, though I get paid for them too. Uh, people have hobbies and that's fine. But for me, I get the most out of something when I feel like I'm investing more than just my time. So if by making it a business and really investing in where I think that business can go in the future, I create a space for my brain to work and connect and meet other people and, and brainstorm to make it better. Because I truly believe that business isn't just about making money. In fact, I never get into a business with the intention of making money, though that's super awesome when you make money. Obviously, I don't want to not make money. That's illogical. But I get into a business because I want to see how that will change the world, basically. And it doesn't have to be this life-altering, you know, NASA technology genome work because changing someone's life can be simple and small. It doesn't have to be a multi-million dollar industry, though that'd be nice too. Um, I, I just feel that when I make something a business, I'm investing in it and I really dive into that topic and can see where it goes. And I think that that's something you don't get as much or as richly when it's just a hobby. So consequently, everything I do becomes a business so that I can yeah. learn about it more. Hmm. And one of the things I was having this conversation with my last podcast guest around impacting one person, if you just impact one person, that person can impact you know, 10 other people, perhaps as a result of, of the impact you've had on them so that you know, you're still spreading your influence more widely, even though that might not be directly related to your business then in terms of no, revenue. Absolutely. I absolutely agree with that, that our scope of reach is far beyond just who we immediately know. I mean, I'm a closet, a closet case or a, a classic case of, of introvert. So I don't really like to be around people. Uh, it's, it's actually quite a comical. I'll be considering how extroverted I seem in most of the things that I do and the businesses I own. I'm definitely introverted. And so I don't actively seek out other people's company. So my, my sphere, my circle of people is very small, but the reach that we have is extremely large because somebody always knows somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody. And that's the power of connectivity. Hmm. Yeah, too right. Now, um, one of the areas I did want to explore with you because of all the things you're doing and managing and juggling, how, how do you kind of keep on top of it all and what are some of the tips to you know that people can take away to work more efficiently and get more use from the time that they have oh absolutely time management is a biggie i juggle a lot of things uh, i juggle a very small person who is very needy <laughs> and i think i was always very 
interested in efficiency and time management. That's always been something I've done through college, through life. But when I had my son, it became extra important that I manage my time because so much of it is invested in a small person that doesn't really care that I have something else to do or somewhere else to be. So one of the most important things I do in time management is for some people it seems counterproductive, but I turn off a lot of stuff. So I'm not glued to my, I mean, I have my phone with me always, but I'm not someone who's on it. I'm not on social media constantly. If I'm on social media, it's 90% of the time to do something for business. So shutting off my notifications and, and cutting myself away from social media when I need to buckle down and get work done is one of my number one tips because it's so easy to, oh, I'm just going to check this one thing. And then you scroll through, you look up, it's been 40 minutes and you're like, oh my gosh, I've done nothing. And I was quote unquote researching for something. So I definitely shut off social media when I need to be more productive. And in that same realm, I batch my work 100%. So if I'm going to be researching an article or doing a review on a contract for a client or, or whatever, I'll do any research I need to do. I'll do it as a batch because that's when I'm most likely to get distracted. Because if I'm online researching, there's always a possibility I might sneak away to check my email or, you know, oh, I need to make a reservation or, oh, my car needs. So there's when the computer screen is open and the internet is on, there's always a possibility for a distraction, even if it's a well-meaning distraction. So when I'm batching, I batch all my research at once. So if I get sidetracked, I can make a second day for batching. And then on a separate occasion, I'll do writing where there's no no social media, no, I mean, the computer, obviously I'm on it, but there's no internet. I don't do internet mm. when I'm writing because I find that it's just too tempting to step away. And in that moment, because my brain is, it's like 4,000 tabs open at once. I, <laughs> next to my computer, have a notepad, an actual old school piece of paper with a pen. Sometimes I'll use the notes on my phone if I'm in a, in a rush, but I'll use an actual piece of paper or post-it notes like a psychotic amount of post-it notes that just list something that comes up. So if I'm in the middle of writing and I'm like, oh my gosh, I do need to take my car in for an oil change. I'll write it down and then go straight back to work rather than breaking mm. to go make that appointment. Even though that takes two seconds, it's still, it's taking me out of the flow. And then in the same realm as that, if I do have a list of things to do, which generally speaking, I do make a list the night before of like the things I do the next day and anything I can get done in less than five minutes, I'll do first thing. So if it's an email, making an appointment, you know, getting a tailor schedule, talking to my VA, whatever the case may be, I get anything done that I can get done in less than five minutes per item. I do first thing in the morning just to get something checked off my list. And it makes you feel like a sense of accomplishment first thing in the morning, even though they're mundane, tiny items, but also because I don't like to talk on the phone or um, <laughs> talk to people in general, no offense, it has nothing to do with you. I, because of that, I tend to put off a lot of those conversations until later, like, oh, I'll take care of calling so-and-so later and later and later and later. And then it just, it snowballs. So I try to just 
eat the frog, do it first thing in the morning, do the things I don't like to do, make those calls right away so that I free my time up for my clients and writing and projects and things that come up because I know that given the way my life is, if I don't get it done in the morning, there's a good chance that something will come up in the afternoon that will mess me up. For example, I had to go pick up my child unexpectedly from school. So, you know, that throws you, you're like, oh, I had so much planned for today. Guess not. I'm going to go do that. So as much as I can get done before he's awake and before the day gets away from me is essential for my time management. Essential. Yeah. Lots of, lots of great tips there. And certainly turning off, I mean, one of the things that I learned very early on turning off notifications that interrupt you. I remember uh, back in the corporate world, um, I don't know, Blackberries might be before before your time even. Oh, no, I, I was in the pager Blackberry world. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was there. So, um, when, when they first came out, all of our salespeople, so I wasn't in the sales department, so I didn't get one, but all of the salespeople got this Blackberry so that they could be contactable at any time. And what what we would hear all the time was, oh, I hate this BlackBerry because it kind of interrupts me all the time. Anytime I get an email, it beeps at me and I've got to answer it. And I remember saying to a couple of the salespeople, um, why don't you just turn it off or turn off the notifications? What? <laughs> that defeats its purpose. And I, well, no, it doesn't doesn't quite defeat its purpose. But um, yeah, and um, it. There was that was a concept that was so foreign to them that they, they like they got this device that they were accessible at any time and then they thought well we have to be accessible at any time and I said well basically somebody else is running your agenda and you have no control over it. Absolutely, I think that's one of the downsides of technology. I mean, it's great that we're not on the Oregon Trail and we can talk to someone in less than three weeks time, that's great. But it creates this sense that we have to be accessible because it's so instantaneous. Like, oh, I have to answer their text message the second that I get it. I have to call them back. I have to do whatever, fill in the blank. And I think that's a detriment to a lot of connection with actual people and to your creative process because it creates this disharmony in in your workflow and it makes you feel like you're completely a slave to your device and mm -hmm. and i think i hope that that's something that we can pull away from but i think it's it's an addictive thing and i don't get wrong if you take away my iphone i think my world would end <laughs> i love my iphone and i do 90 percent of my work from that phone but i think it's a really healthy to put it down and to focus and really focus your attention on what you're working on rather than letting it dictate your schedule and your social agenda for sure. Hmm. I agree 100%. And, yeah. And that there are some creative ways to take control of it and use automation to actually personalize the experience that people get. So I, I've seen some recently that I thought they were really cool. So essentially an automatic email that gets sent when that person receives an email but mm -hmm. the email kind of has a bit of uh, tongue-in-cheek humor so that it's infused with the person's personality it says something along the lines of so in your case it might say something along the lines of 
I answer my emails first thing in the morning between this time and this time, and other times I'm I'm focused on um, my project work or I'm focused on um, attending to my three-year-old, you know, and and infused with personality, doing it in a way that that suits your own personality. And people are actually quite appreciative of that to let them know that you know they get an instant response that is automated, but it's it it has your personality and maybe it's a little bit humorous and it makes and it can say it's an unrealistic expectation for you to think i'm going to talk to you in less than less than 24 hours it's not happening yeah yeah Yeah. all right um so what what's your main focus today in terms of business well i i recently moved to houston i've actually only been here for a couple of months I was living in Hawaii before that for about 16 years working there. And my new focus since having moved here is I, I've shifted some of my business tactics because I do own businesses now in multiple states. So with that, I've got to deal with clients and staff and taxes in multiple states. So I think in that way, I've become even more anal retentive in my efficiency because now I'm dealing with double double deadlines and, and time zones. Uh, so right now I've been focusing and shifting my, my focus more on my consulting career. I've been doing that for roughly 15 years, but now I really want to focus on, on, or I have focused on making that my, I don't call it my favorite business. I, that's, mm. That sounds, that sounds bad to say it's my favorite, but I genuinely love helping people. It's, it's why I love working in the fitness industry. It's why I worked in education. It's, it's why I've done a lot of the things I've done. And it's because I love helping people realize their potential. And with, with business consulting, it really tailors to the idea that I like doing a lot of things. So I have clients who are in every genre of, of business and I, thrive on that uniqueness and that individual spirit of each person. And I love to guide people through the things that they may not be as good at because they may know art or pastries or, you know, how to do a pull up, but they don't know how to do a PL or a balance sheet. And they don't know what taxes, if any, they're supposed to be filing. And they don't know how to get a client in the door and they don't know how to close a sale. So all those little things feed into a business. And I think a lot of people, that's why there's such a high failure rate in small businesses is that people don't really think about all the little things in the day-to-day of what a business is. And so as a consultant, I get to help them with whatever it is that they're, for lack of a better word, failing at. So maybe it's emails, maybe it's marketing, maybe it's social media, maybe it's customer relations or HR culture, whatever it is, I, I get to kind of go in and, and tell them what they're doing wrong, which is, so one time I had this astrological, it was a gift I had for uh, Christmas. One of my friends gave me this astrological chart and I am not in any way, shape or form woo woo. And it was kind of this, almost a joke gift. Cause I'm like, dude, I, I don't need to know what my sign says about me or who I was, but this wonderful woman told me that my gift to the world was my negativity. 
And I was like, oh, that's, that's special that I am just a terrible negative person. And I, although I am not, I'm not, well, I'm slightly pessimistic. It's more realistic is what most pessimists will say they are. It's realistic. But I found that my negative mind is actually a thing that I use in business because I look in a business and see what's wrong with it, what's not working, and then I fix it. So it's definitely using the negative side of my mind to look and see what isn't working in a business. But I love going through and fixing those things and just seeing my clients just have these aha moments where they're suddenly getting more clients or suddenly, you know, they've, their bottom line just skyrockets up because they're, they missed something that didn't even cross their minds. And then uh, to fix it is a s extremely satisfying feeling. And I, mm -hmm. I, it's that feeling of closure because I think a lot of, I think all the businesses I've done, one of my favorite things is, I mean, obviously helping people, but also that feeling of finishing something. For a while, I was a, a television producer. And the best part about being a television producer is that creative process and being able to complete a project and just have something to be proud of. And I think that as a consultant, I get to do that. Even if it's not my quote unquote baby, my business, yeah. I get to see other people thrive that way. It's, it's mm. addicting. So, you, and, and you're really good at identifying the gaps and then addressing the gap, yeah. which, yeah. I'm good at telling people what they do wrong with their lives. It's fine. You can say it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, you talked about the creative uh, side to the work you do. One of the things I'm curious about, you mentioned different businesses in different genres and in different locations and in different um, legal jurisdictions, I guess, with the different states that you have. And, and so what are some of the challenges that that's thrown up for you and, and how have you built a team that, that manages or helps you manage all of that and, and have built a culture around that, that that serves your needs and business? Well, I tell you, I should have been a lawyer because <laughs> I the amount of consulting I do with the legal teams is sometimes shocking. I wish, you know, going back, I, I was pre-med for a while. I was pre-law for a tiny smidgen of time. And I wish that I had stuck around with it, not because I would ever wanted to be a lawyer, because that's why I got out of those fields, because I, hmm. I didn't. I, those were, I was doing those purely for like the prestige and the money that is associated with that and not because I loved it. But I wish that I had stuck with, with legal system because I definitely consult a lot with legal teams. And uh, I think for me, because I am not... Uh, an extroverted person naturally, I really rely heavily on my loyal teams. I have my go-to web designers, my go-to legal team, my go-to CPAs and accountants, and I refer business and seek their advice religiously because for the longest time, I tried to be a one-woman show and I, I do do a lot more that I probably should because I love it so much. It's, it's, it's an addiction. I love, I love working. I'm a, a workaholic and I'm super proud of it. I love working. It's, it's something that was instilled in me as a child. I just love working, but you can't do it all. And someone once told me, it's not that I can't do it all. It's that I shouldn't have to. Hmm. And I, it took me a really long time to embrace that concept because I'm 
I'm a recovering perfectionist and I love working. And so I tried to do everything myself that I think my motto when I was in high school is if you want something to do it done right, do it yourself. Yeah. Um, you know, yes, also, I've, I've probably said that a few times. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I still say it. Don't, I still say it. I also say anything worth doing is worth overdoing. Uh, and I, I struggled with that for a long time, just with my personality of giving up that control, but it has served me so much better. And I advise all of my clients, if you have an opportunity, if you have the means to hire somebody, do it. Hmm. And it takes some thought when you're hiring, particularly when you're starting out a business. It, it's not easy to think about hiring someone when your bottom line is so bare, but if you outsource properly and you're really getting rid of the projects that are time consuming and can be automated if possible, you want to get rid of those tasks because it leaves you open for the big picture things and able to look and, and manage and look at higher things. So for me, hiring the right team has been essential and it, it definitely shows. I mean, you can see in my businesses, if you were to look back at them, you can definitely see the shifts of where I hired and when I hired the proper people, because not only did I get much nicer and <laughs> consumed way less coffee, but it just shifts the way your business feels. And I think people are really perceptive. And if you have a small business, people notice much faster when things are off. So it's important that you as the owner are engaged in the right parts of your business and working on your business, not necessarily in it, in the face of the business all the time. I, I know it's hard to step away when it's like your baby, but I think it's really important that that people do step away from that and hire people when they can. And, and, and you're, you hit it on the head that a team is really important. And for me, being in multiple states, I I live by my spreadsheets and my timelines and my color coding, and I know it's uh, a little bit crazy OCD, but I don't know if I could do, I don't know if I could own as many businesses as I do with as many employees across the country if I didn't have a system of checks and balances of color coding and a stellar team of, of management and and go-to legal advice and professionals that I seek help from regularly. And it's mm. it's good to have those connections and really connect with those people because if I need help, a banking situation in Hawaii and I'm in Texas or in New York or wherever, I, I need to be able to call my actual banker and have them fix it. And I think that personal connection is somewhat antiquated and it's a little old school old fashioned to have like your banker that you have their number and you call them. But I have relied on that heavily, yeah. particularly when I transitioned from state to state and you know, when I was yeah. out of the country, it just, you need that. Yeah. And I think, you know, I mean, there's a couple of points there. The, the culture of your organization is so important. And then, you know, I think having people that are fully aligned with your culture and your values and then you know have obviously have the skills to do whatever role they've got um, is makes it much easier to let go as the business owner i think um, and also i like that you talked about professionals that clearly 
are not in your employ, like your banker or the lawyer or the accountants, but they're part of your team. And I think that's absolutely that's an approach that some businesses don't have. They kind of treat them as purely service providers, and there's a different dynamic that comes with that. And I think if, if you know you bring them into kind of the environment that you're part of the team yes we don't employ you you're providing us a service but you are part of the team and that, that's a different dynamic altogether much more positive well thanks and i i it's it's definitely pushed into my other businesses when i i owned a pilates studio in hawaii that i recently sold but most of my staff there were independent contractors with their own businesses and their own lives but they were still part of the team and it was important that they be a cohesive unit with the team even within their own businesses mm. and you can kind of feel i mean obviously i owned it so it's past tense now but in the past i i had some people that i hired that did not align with what we were doing and you could tell and this the the feeling when i went into the office or when i went into the studio it was off and it's as like i said as a small business you notice those things faster and and there was a fear in firing someone not because i didn't want to fire them i don't have a problem firing people uh, but i did in that case because it was such a family feeling it was a studio owned for 15 years and it was hard to fire someone in the family who wasn't living up to my standards but in the end it is a business and as soon as i fired that person i mean there was this fear that i wasn't going to be able to replace them and that i was going to have to take on the extra work to replace their hours and there there was a fear there but as soon as i let them go it opened a space for someone better to come in and i all that fear was completely unnecessary because as soon as i opened that opportunity up someone came in and was 100% better and it just it made everything feel better and, and it i think that a lot of newer business owners have that that scarcity mindset that they need to hire somebody that they need to find someone to fill this void or they need to do this that and the other and you really have to listen to yourself and listen to your brand and your your the culture that you're creating and be true to it because it does make a difference in your overall appeal to your clients and just the one i mean that, the idea that one bad apple can spoil a bunch it's that's a real right. thing that's and and i was going to add that the rest of the team probably um, were much more effective after that person was gone. So I know absolutely. I'd, I'd had an experience in in very early days when I I um, went from so I'd been hired as as a young chemist in this t small team, and within a year I was promoted to lead the team. And there was one chap there that had been there for 20 years, but was causing lots of problems. And um, he was probably on his 17th or 19th warning. <laughs> um, people had kind of gone to the brink to get rid of him before and then always pulled back. And I remember thinking, oh, I can't afford to lose this guy. He's got the most experience. Everybody else is young and fairly new. And ultimately he did something that basically left me no choice even though i was reluctant at first um he took an action that was basically contravening um 
some regulations or, or internal regulations and and so i sacked him and thought now how am i going to manage this because we're going to have this huge knowledge gap and you know everybody's going to be kind of stuck and not know what to do well within about a month the place was just buzzing we were more productive you know people were more dynamic everybody stepped up to help out because a they saw you know i was prepared to make a hard decision there uh, obviously everybody was suffering under the influence of this guy and um and we basically figured out ways to bring on expertise. I mean, luckily we're in the umbrella of a large corporation, so we had access to other people with experience. And so that's what we did. We built other networks where we could reach out to people who had the experience that we needed to access. And that's a hard decision to make as, as an, a leader in your industry, no matter what the industry is, it's a hard decision to fire someone who has experience. It's hard. To, I mean, that's mm. one of the things that, I love about consulting is that if you have, as a consultant, I get to be like their buddy when they make a bad decision or when they make, have to make a, a tough decision. And you often feel alone as the leader, as the owner of a business, you, you have this overwhelming sense of you're responsible for everybody's salaries, for their benefits, like you're responsible for that. And so there's a lot of weight to that and responsibility and, and stress. And as a consultant, I get to help alleviate some of that stress from people and at least have someone they can talk with yeah. about it because it's, it's, it's a lot to take on. And it's really, it speaks a lot to someone's character if they're able to recognize the tough decisions and make the decision that they, that needs to be made, even if it's not the most popular or the most fun, <laughs> and it often isn't. Yes, no, that's certainly not fun, but, um, I think you know culture is such an important thing. Culture and values alignment is such an important thing. Particularly, the smaller the team is, um, the you know anybody rocking the boat has a pretty big impact. So, getting that cultural alignment and values alignment up front is really important. And I think with the way your business is set up across different time zones, there's opportunities there as well. I actually was really worried about it at first but now i i love it because for me specifically my child is awake many hours of the day and if he's not in school or well basically if he's not in school there's he's there so i can't i can't have an important business meeting with my kid you know asking for a cup of milk or or whatever he needs he needs so the time zone shift has been really good for me because i can do most of my work for Hawaii after he's gone to bed. So he, mm. you know, it's a five, six hour time difference depending on uh, the time zone change, uh, the daylight savings time here, which is a new thing. Hawaii doesn't have daylight savings. <laughs> Texas get it together. So, uh, but it's been really helpful for me because I have all these clients that I was worried about losing and not being able to really connect with during normal business hours. But for them, it is normal business hours for me. It's you know midnight, but mm. it's normal time for them. So it's been really nice to still keep the core of my clients from Hawaii engaged and and pick up some new clients even through them and, and some international ones too. Because now the time zone isn't quite so weird. I'm be, I've been able to pick up some clients over in Europe, and it's it's been nice having. I feel more. I mean, it's Central Time Zone here, so I feel more central. And that I, I have a good leeway either in either direction for the time zones. And I it's been 
helpful for me in expanding my clientele and, and being able to connect further with my clients in Hawaii that I had to leave. So it's been really good for me. I'm loving it. Hmm. All right. Well, I think it's a good time now to move on to the buzz, which is our innovation round. And I ask the same five questions of each guest. The idea is that you'll share some insights and tips from your experience and that the listener will take something away and put it into action as a result. Okay. Fire away. What's the number one thing you need to do to be more innovative? Be yourself. I think a lot of people forget or they get lost in what someone else is doing in the competition of the world and you forget to be yourself because there's no innovation that comes from the same. You've got to innovate. You have to be different and everyone is different. And the best thing you can do is be yourself and really be true to what you are wanting to show the world. Mm. Yeah, I love that. Um, And the, yeah, the idea of um, innovation coming from um, a place where, you know, you're aware of what your contribution to the world is, is really good because the two things match. It's kind of like the cultural match we were talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. All right. What's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas? Finding like-minded individuals is so important and finding your team of inspiration As I said before, I was a lone wolf for a really long time. And I think even though it was great while it lasted, I think I missed out on a lot of opportunities to really connect with incredible individuals around the world and just around me who can inspire you in ways that you weren't, you weren't sure. And I, I, I think that if you don't get out there and see who is working and what they're working on, then you're missing out on a lot of opportunity to expand your own horizons. I think that there's so much information out there. You can't possibly Google search it all forever. It will take you forever. So really connecting with those people and finding it's kind of a power team of people that you go to when you need to brainstorm or get ideas from or, 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 just get whatever is in your head off your chest. It's been invaluable to have that team of people who can inspire you when you're feeling lackluster and can really help take you to the next level. Mm. Yeah, I love it. And that's one of the things I love about podcasting too is you get to connect with people all around the world and um, meet people like yourself and get some insights. And um, one of my favorite quotes is, um, I think it's Bill Nye, the um, he's a TV host, Said that Bill Nye, the science guy. The science guy, that's him. Yep. Everyone, every person you meet knows something that you don't. Absolutely. Everybody is a genius in their own right with their own thing. It doesn't, everybody has something to contribute. You just have to tune into it. Hmm. Absolutely. All right. Do you have a favorite resource you use most often? iPhone. I love you. I do love you. Google, Google spreadsheets, Google Docs, Google all the things, Google. I'm a, a, a big fan of that. I had a huge computer crash years ago and it rocked me hard. So I, I've definitely been, I mean, it even fried my backup hard drive. It, it was horrible. And now I feel like I rely heavily on things that are backed up. I don't understand how the cloud works or what it is. It's very confusing for me. I'm too old to understand it. I don't need to understand it. I just need to know where things are. So I rely heavily on Google and it's, it's fascination. I don't know how it works. Yeah, well, Yay, I, scientists. Good work. I don't know how yeah, it works. Yeah, it's it works great, isn't it? Um, I'm a heavy user of all the um, Google Docs, Google Sheets oh, yeah. and presentations, uh, but I'm very 
cautious with that. So I've actually got a backup service that backs all that stuff up separately as well. well oh, me too. I'm now I'm crazy. Now I have like 15,000 backups. Yeah. It's it's sad and true. I have everything hard. It's like a hard copy and then I have the backup and then back <laughs> to the backup and then I have this random cloud. It's, it's maddening. <laughs> yes. All right. What's the best way to keep a client on track? Accountability uh, is extremely important. It's one of the things that a consultant really does hold them to task, give them a to-do list and then call them out. I'm, it's a tough love scenario. It's not even tough love. It's like tough knock you in your face. Sometimes it's, I hold my clients accountable and I will rock them if they don't do what I say. And I, I, that sounds terrible to say it that way. There's a method to that madness in that if you aren't willing to put in the work, then I can't guarantee that hmm. your work will pay off. The most successful people in the world work harder than people realize. It's not this easy, oh, one shot wonder. And most of that, that instant success is years and years of work and dedication that people aren't willing to do. So I hold my clients accountable and it's, you know, they don't want to get that email from me, <laughs> <laughs> the call. I don't like to call you. So if you get a call from me, it's, you know, it's rough. Yeah. All right. Okay. We'll have to bear that in mind. The, um, That's right. Yeah. I like the, um, the saying that says, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day, but they did lay bricks every day. That's right. Yeah. And that's a great saying. I think, you know, one of the, one of the things, one of the downsides, I suppose, of the internet, you know, where you see all these posts of somebody that's highly successful or claims to be highly successful maybe they're not even that because they can portray that on online so you know the classic ones are these people that claim to be millionaires through investing in real estate or whatever it might be and they're mm -hmm. posing in front of this um, expensive sports car or or yacht and uh, you know the and they're just down at the marina they don't even know that boat They've never yeah yeah well, possibly <laughs> and and you think well you know the the whole picture is wrong because, I mean, even even if they've got to that level of success, um, you know, that, or the people that have got to that level of success, are, in my mind, are not going to project themselves like that. Um, so, yeah. And but success it, is so, so subjective. I mean, not everybody wants a yacht yeah. and six planes and a fashion, a designer bag. I think that success is individual to the person. So I think people also need to take into account that, not everybody wants to make eight figures. It's, hmm. it's not everybody's to-do list. So success comes in many forms. And I think it's important that people really embrace that success is different. Yeah, yeah. I love that. that what, I sh should ask a question, what does success mean to you? <laughs> but that's not part of the buzz. It's not scripted. <laughs> All right. What's, what's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves? Be yourself. I, I think, <laughs> like I said before, people forget that your number one asset in the world is you. You, there's nobody like you, even if you're an identical twin, you are different. And that's the number one thing you can give the world is you. That's why you're here. I mean, if you want to talk about the meaning of life, the meaning of life is sharing yourself. It's, I mean, there, I mean, I don't know if that's actually the meaning of life, yeah. but for me anyway, there's no better purpose in life than to share who you are with the world and whatever that means for you. Mm. Yeah, I love it. I mean, there's a whole lot of things that come to mind there. And 
um, it's yeah if we share ourselves I, I guess the first thing is really being self-aware and you talked earlier about some of the things that you clearly have done some work on and identified these are the things I'm good at these are the things that drive me these are the values that I have and and so you having that embracing all of that and then bringing that out into the world is is really important I think and the other thing that comes to mind I mean a lot of people say but I exclude all these people you know if I'm too focused on this whatever it is and I keep uh -huh. saying well you're one in a million everybody says you're one in a million right that's the typical thing so let's do some statistics and work out there are seven billion people in the world one in a million that means you've got what huh, <laughs> my math is leaving me now but there's still it's still like seven hundred thousand at least people who are kind of like you or close close enough that that they like what you're doing and they probably uh, resonate with you and you don't need seven hundred thousand to have a successful business absolutely hmm. excellent all right well thanks amanda this has been fabulous thanks for getting us through the buzz now, where can people find out more about you and maybe even get in touch and say thanks for what you've shared today? Well, the easiest ways are through Facebook and Instagram. Uh, my handle is AF Consulting Team. And I, despite what I say about not being on social media, okay. I do check them. I do check them, maybe not every day, but pretty regularly. So that's a pretty easy way to, to connect with me either through, through either of those venues. All right. And we'll link to that. Or through my website, I suppose, that too. And we'll we'll link to those in the show notes as well as the website. All right. Do you have some parting advice for our listener today as we wrap up? Just trust yourself and don't let anybody get in your way. That you're you're not intimidating. People are intimidated by you. You're there's nothing you sounds very soapy and very cliche, but there's nothing you can't do if you really want it. And you really strive and drive and, and work hard for it, I believe you can literally achieve anything you want mm. so trust in yourself and go get them yeah love it trust in yourself yeah that's that's something that um is actually a lot harder to do than oh it's hard i didn't say it was easy uh, yeah. i just said uh, you should do it yeah but to remind ourselves that hey we've actually got everything we need inside of us and so we've just got to let it out and release it um, and having that self-trust makes a huge difference and it takes a lot of weight off a lot of pressure off too i think it does i definitely feel that you don't make mistakes you just make choices and then you have to decide what go where it goes from there so just trust yourself and whatever decision you have to make is the decision you had to make at the time mm -hmm. and just move on from there and and make make the choices that you need to make so harping on that is never effective so just trust yourself and you'll get through it yeah. So uh, one of the recent podcast guests said something to me that I really like, and I'm starting to embrace that now. And it, it really appeals to me as a scientist as well. Um, and that's everything, treat everything as an experiment. And so, you know, the, the philosophy behind the science is that you make a hypothesis. So in business, it might be, I think this is a great idea. I think this might, um, people might buy this. Um, so you run an experiment. You sell it to a few people and see whether they buy it you run an experiment now if it's a failure it means the result of the experiment is that nobody bought it so then you figure out well why did why did no one buy that um how can i change the results how can i 
modify this and do another experiment that that's right because problem. this experiment is not a failure it's not a failure yeah, it's just if you use that information mm. to make a new hypothesis and make a new result i mean that's that's what learning is that's what mm. growing is so yeah it's not it's no failed experiments just <laughs> Yeah, love it. As a, I'm not a scientist, so I'm sure there are failed experiments, but not in business. All right. Well, finally, Amanda, who else should I get on this show and why? You know, I saw that in one of your questions. It's it's a tough one. There are so many. <laughs> I think that if you're wanting to go big and some of the people who are really influencing that I've been reading about recently, I, I'm really a big fan of Fig O'Reilly. She's uh, and she's the organizer for a NASA space apps challenge. Um, and she's been working a lot to help young girls in the STEM field. And, and I, I really respect her ability to sort of make progress in the, the space field. And I, I that's not really everybody's jam, but mm. I, I find it fascinating and, and completely mesmerizing that people do that. I mean, people are rocket scientists and I, <laughs> as I said, I'm, I'm not a scientist, so I'm always, extremely impressed by people who have that kind of analytical mind that's just phenomenal. And then I, I know there's a, a number of business consultants that I've been really influenced by. There's a, a woman in DC named Shannon Curley, who's really impressive to me. And uh, there's a woman who's working in Hawaii, actually, she's a friend of mine, who works in child development and, and helping moms and, and their sort of the careers that come from from mompreneurship as it were and she her name is Lori aldridge and Lori beth aldridge and she works with a podcast called elevating motherhood and she's pretty impressive as well and just her desire to educate and and, and empower women and, and mothers has been pretty impressive as well so there's, there's just so many people i i admire who are out there just killing it in in their respective fields and i am continually impressed with what people i know and even don't know are doing in the world it's it's inspiring and you know it gets you all those warm fuzzies inside that there there is more to be achieved in the world than just a TikTok video yeah no offense TikTok. Love no offense. <laughs> all right and and i think i heard you on laurie's uh, podcast that was the episode. yes i was on her podcast yeah. for sure all right. Well, we'll reach out to those ladies and see if we can bring them on the show as well. And um, oh, that'd be amazing. Well, there'll be some interesting conversations too. So thanks so much for sharing your time and your insights so generously with us today on the Innovabuzz podcast, Amanda. I really appreciate it. I had a lot of fun, learned a lot, and I think there's um, lots that we can take away from today's conversation. So all the best for the future and let's stay in touch. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It was wonderful being here. I hope you enjoyed that delightfully engaging and informative conversation with Amanda and took something away from her episode. I love Amanda's energy and commitment to excellence as well as her take on innovation. Turn your hobbies into a business and then you'll innovate. I'd love to know what you took away from Amanda's episode. Leave a comment below the blog post, which you can find at innovabiz.co forward slash Amanda Furjul. That is A-M-A-N-D-A-F-U-R-G-I-U-E-L-E. -E. All lowercase, 
or one word, innovabiz.co forward slash Amanda Fergil. You'll also find contact information there for getting in touch with Amanda, as well as links to the AF Consulting Team website, to the Burlesque Mums podcast, to Amanda's social media pages, and the other resources we spoke about in our conversation. If you like this episode, please do share it with as many other people that you think it might help. Tag me in on those shares, and I will reach out to you with a special thank you. Amanda suggested that we have a conversation with NASA data nought Fig O'Reilly, with business consultant Shannon Curley, and with blogger, podcaster, and author Laurie Beth Eldridge on a future InnovaBuzz podcast episode. So Fig, Shannon, and Laurie, keep an eye on your inboxes for an invitation from us to the InnovaBuzz podcast, courtesy of Amanda Fergil. Tune in again to the next episodes of the InnovaBuzz podcast, where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up, including host of the Making Sales Social podcast, Bob Woods, and Amy Mellon, co-founder of the TrueHeart Social Impact Search Engine and partner at TrueHeart Cause Agency. Thanks for listening to this episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show to be reminded of new episodes. It's free to subscribe. Leave a review if you like. Even if you don't like me, I'm okay with that. I'm asking you to leave a review because it helps other people find this show. Go to innovabiz.co to join our marketing transformation community and access a free gift my team and I made for you. It's the Marketing Master Mini Class. We want to give you everything you need to transform your marketing into a human-centered, relationship-focused growth engine. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.